Hello, and welcome to the Site School Podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Stimmick Bailey, and I'm here every Thursday to help you learn how to grow and earn more from your site. Today, we are kicking off the new year. So if you are listening live, happy new year. Welcome to 2023. How is it 2023? Let's not talk about it. This episode is going to focus on areas you can focus on for your SEO strategy. And I like to think of them as my new year's resolutions for 2023 on my sites. But I hope you enjoy listening to it because I think it's pretty helpful and wanted to make sure I reach new listeners to ensure that your SEO is exactly where you need it to be by this time next year. So in this episode, I'm going to cover six areas of SEO that I think you need to focus on in 2023 if you're not already. And you'll notice that these are some things that I have covered in the past on previous episodes, as well as on my own sites. So I hope you'll know that these are things that I also think are worthwhile doing and I'm doing on my sites. The first one, as you might expect, if you've listened to past episodes of this podcast, is EEAT. Now, if you're not familiar with EEAT, it is an acronym from Google that's all about quality. It stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And these are the quality factors that Google looks for to understand if your site is worth ranking. Now, I'm not going to dive too much into this topic because I've covered it in several past episodes. You can check out episode four or episode six to learn more about EEAT and what I think you can do to improve it. But this should be your top priority for the year. If you are not already taking certain steps to improve EEAT in 2023, I think you're going to struggle with Google to keep getting good rankings and keep the rankings you have. That's sort of a doom and gloom perspective, but Google's made it very clear that these should be priorities to people running websites. And there are a lot of people out there who are trying to manipulate the system by hiring lots of outside writers, by not having author bios, by not talking about direct experience. And I think increasingly Google's become aware of that and is going to start to penalize people by not giving them great rankings if they're not focused on that. So EEAT, it's your new priority. Put it on a sticky note, stick it in your desk area, listen to the past episodes, and then you'll be set to go. The next thing you should focus on this year is your technical content organization. Now, I don't want to be confusing you. This is not the same as technical SEO, which is things like page speed and, I don't know, image optimization and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm more talking about how you organize your content, how you think about your content on your site, and how you make your decisions about what you're going to spend energy writing on and creating that's going to help best serve your site, your readers, and help you gain more traffic. There's a couple things to keep in mind here. The first thing you want to think about is a hub and spoke strategy. You want to think about creating content so that there are wheels of content with a big article about a topic that you cover at the center and plenty of related content that you can link to and which that main article can also link to. So you don't just have to have one wheel be your whole site. For example, my London site is sort of its own single wheel because, you know, it's all about London. But within that site, there are hubs and spokes. There's an article about where to stay in London, the best areas. And then I have other articles related to where to stay in different cheap hotels that are sort of the spokes on the wheel. You want to think about your content strategy as a hub and spoke so that you can always understand how it's all organized. It should be easy to either map out on a piece of paper or articulate to somebody your different wheels that you cover and how your content is organized into those wheels with hubs and spokes. The other thing I mentioned is that you want to be linking. And if you listen to my 18-month Eat Like Bourdain case study update, which was the previous episode to this one, I talked a lot about internal linking and how I've been thinking about internal linking as part of my SEO strategy in that site, but it's also affected my other sites as well. So whenever you're going to publish a new piece of content, it should be clear in your mind how that content links into your existing content and how your existing content can link to it. So as we were talking about hub and spoke, You want to think about how your content can be linking to a hub or linking to a spoke, and you want to understand exactly how it fits in. 
That's not to say that you can't create a new wheel with a new hub and a new set of spokes, but when you start that first piece of content, you need to be following it up with the pieces of content that are going to link to it so that Google can understand your content and your readers can navigate better through it. At the end of the day, the idea of having a good technical content organization is just so that everyone understands how your content is organized easily. It's not scattershot, it's not spaghetti on the wall. You can articulate to people, they can easily understand by navigating, and Google can understand by technically navigating your site, never finding any orphans, that you have a really, really nice organization and it's easy for everyone to get. The next resolution you can make for this year is to focus on high authority backlinks. Now, Backlinking in general is a strategy that I don't spend a lot of time on. Uh, I don't think it's really worth doing link swaps or collab posts or anything like that. But Google has been very clear that high authority backlinks or even just mentions where you're not even linked, where you're just your brand is mentioned, can be really valuable for improving their understanding of what you have EAT in. So some ways you can get high authority backlinks include getting a PR person and doing some sort of PR strategy where you are, I don't know, launching a new project or announcing that you're leading a tour or something like that. You could have a PR person help you get some links for that. You could use a service like Harrow, help a reporter out. It's a service you can sign up for if you haven't already, and then you get an email three times a day where journalists are looking for sources. And if you are a source, you might get either a mention or a link. And then you could connect with freelance writers in your network. So in my case, I've been able to connect with some travel writers who occasionally need information about either astrotourism, stargazing destinations, dark sky sites, or Alaska content, and I can help them write better stories by being a source for them. Obviously, these are not cheap or easy options. There's no easy way to get a great backlink, unfortunately. If there were, then Google wouldn't count them as much as they do. So it's something you'll probably wanna think about and come up with something that feels right for you, but also doesn't take too much of your time or creative energy because at the end of the day, this is just one part of your SEO strategy and shouldn't be the thing that takes over. I'd much rather have you focus on EEAT and getting a really solid technical content organization than worrying about getting backlinks. So if that helps you prioritize these first three resolutions, I hope that's helpful. The next thing you might wanna focus on if you haven't already is your page experience, which is what Google originally called core web vitals. Now, I would not obsess about this. In fact, I don't obsess at all about this. If it's not a simple change for me to make to improve my page experience scores, I don't worry about it. And if my scores are yellow, that's great. The only thing I'm trying to avoid is having red scores when I use PageSpeed Insights or look at my scores in Google Search Console. You always wanna try and move your red scores to yellow, but it's not as important to worry about get, getting from yellow to green. Basically, the worst ones are in the red category, and that's where Google is actually gonna be looking at your site saying, this is too slow, we need to downrank you because you're just not fast enough. If you're in the yellow, you're with the majority, and so it's very unlikely you're gonna see any impact on your site's performance as a result of being in the yellow category. If you can easily get to green by turning off a plugin or doing an image optimization, great, go ahead and do that. But again, this isn't one I would spend a ton of time on. I wouldn't obsess about this, even if you have a feedback from Google, such as a manual penalty, unless they specifically call out your page speed or your page experience scores, I wouldn't be focused on this. But you should keep an eye on the scores, make sure you're still in the ballpark Google wants us to be in, and then focus on other things that are more important. Speaking of other things that are more important, let's talk about user intent, which is another thing that's not quite EEAT, but it's definitely part of what Google wants us to be thinking about as we write content for users. 
User intent is all about understanding what the searcher actually wants when they type something into Google and providing that thing in your content in a way that's really easy to consume. To measure user intent and how well we meet it, they have a scale of what they call, quote, needs met. And basically it's, it goes from fully meets to doesn't meet, fails to meet. And obviously if you're in the fails to meet or slightly meets, you're probably not gonna be ranking very well. So we wanna make sure that our articles fall into moderately, highly, or fully meets the needs of the reader. And usually what that means is putting the answer somewhere near the top. If you've ever talked to me about this, I have some little hacks that I do. I tend to do like short on time blocks in some of my articles. I have tables at the top. I have top five lists at the top of long lists, things that give the answer to the reader really quickly, but still have other information below them. And not to call out my food bloggers out there, but this is one of the areas that I think we can all agree could be improved for food bloggers in particular who write a 3000 word novel completely unrelated to the food recipe before you get to the rest recipe you just want. I mean, there's a reason the jump to recipe button exists, and it's because people write novels before the recipe when all people really want is the recipe. If you want to think about it this way, if you are not a food blogger, you don't have a jump to recipe button. So you need to figure out how to give people the recipe, whatever that means for your content, as quickly as possible in a way that keeps them wanting to keep to read more so that they stay on your page longer and you get more ad revenue if you have an ad network on there. In any case, what I like to do to help with my user intent is I like to do three things. I study the search engine page before I start writing. So my keyword research is actually quite a short process in terms of the time I spend in key search. I spend a lot more time in the search results themselves, reading what's on the search result page and reading the different things that are ranking in the position I want. So number one or number two on that keyword. I spend time in there learning how to read the page to understand what Google's showing and getting a sense of what people actually want based upon what's ranking and how I could improve upon that. Then I give the reader the answer sooner than I really want to. I talked about this just a minute ago, but it could be something like a little blurb, a table, a TLDR, something that gives them the answer that they might be searching for, but keeps them tempted to reading more. And then finally, I use my headers and my tables of content to help people get that answer faster as well. So there's some technical things like having your headers properly set up and having a table of contents so that you maybe don't have to put the answer right at the top of the page, but people can easily find it if they navigate through the different things that you've added on your page to help them. In any case, what you should be thinking about with this resolution is, what is the person truly asking for? And how can I give that to them in a quick way, but also keep them interested in reading? If you can master this, you will be golden in Google for the next few years is my guess. I'm still working on this. I'm sure I'll be writing and sharing more in future episodes about it, but hopefully this sort of teases your brain to start thinking a little bit differently about the way you evaluate keywords and how you decide to structure your content. Finally, the last area you should focus on in 2023 is on the SERP features. So when I say SERP, I mean search engine result page. We call that SERP if you're in the SEO world. And there are these different things that show up in Google when you search that you've undoubtedly seen and maybe don't even know the names of. Some of those include featured snippets, knowledge graphs, which is where you get a bunch of information about something, either in the sidebar or in the top. And people also ask, which Google has sort of been moving away from, but it's usually other questions people have related to the keyword you search. There's all kinds of other SERP features showing up too. Google is testing these like crazy, especially in the product area. So I recently saw a block of buttons that were all these different general items on a packing list keyword. So it was like pants, socks, sunscreen, underwear, sunglasses. Those were all different buttons that you would click to get a list of products that they recommended. Anything in products is a little bit scary, but in general, my point here is that you should be paying attention to what SERP features you see when you're looking at the search result page before you start writing. So remember you're doing that as part of looking into user intent. 
when you're in Google, also pay attention to what Google is showing, not just what your competition, the other websites are showing. If you can understand the different SERP features and what they might mean about what Google is showing, it's it's basically what they think the user intent is, but also how competitive a keyword is and how lucrative it is. If Google thinks they can make money on a keyword, they're going to build a feature in Google to keep people in Google instead of clicking to sites. So when I see a lot of SERP features on a page, I generally think mm, that keyword might not be for me only because I can compete with other sites, but I don't know if I can compete with Google, you know? Anyway, to recap the six areas you can focus on in the coming year, your new resolutions for SEO, you should focus on EEAT and demonstrating that to your readers. Check out episode four and episode six for more advice on that. Think about your technical content organization. Check out my 18-month Eat Like Bourdain recap if you want a longer discussion about that. Halfway through the episode, I spent a lot of time talking about internal linking. Focus on high-authority backlinks only high authority backlinks, not just backlinks in general. Keep an eye on your page experience scores in Google Search Console. Start thinking about user intent and how you can better meet the needs of your readers. And then get to know the Google SERP features so that you can understand what Google thinks people want and how competitive keywords are to understand your chances of winning the keyword and getting the best results possible. I hope this has been helpful for you. If you have any other resolutions about SEO, I'd love to hear about them. You can either leave them in a review along with a rating, which is super helpful for me to understand what's working on this podcast, or you can join me in the Site School Facebook group, which is totally free to join. And you'll be with me and a number of other site owners who are working hard to grow their sites too. I'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for spending your time with me. I hope this has been helpful. And here's to 2023 being the year that you learn how to grow and earn more from your site.